The fifth annual Health, spelled H-L-T-H, conference is currently underway in Las Vegas. Since it began in 2018, Health has become one of the premier healthcare and networking conferences in the country, bringing together providers, payers, healthcare startups, technology companies, and more from around the states and abroad. It's Tuesday, October 10th. I'm Jay Carlisle Larson, and this is Just Healthcare Daily, where you get the latest headlines in health business and policy news, and for the next few days from the Health Conference. For the next couple of days, I'm at Health 23 in Las Vegas, Nevada. Sunday marked the first day of the buzzy three-day-long conference, and this year an estimated 10,000 people are expected to attend the event, with hundreds of companies representing really every sector of the healthcare industry, including payers, startups, health technology companies, and pharmaceutical manufacturers. And there are C-suite executives, investors, and government officials, uh, many of whom spoke at sessions throughout the conference. And many of the representatives and vendors are from the United States, but there are dedicated areas for vendors uh, from abroad, such as the European Union and the United Kingdom. And I've been walking around the showroom floor at the West Hall of the Las Vegas Convention Center for the past few days, and it's really difficult to describe the scale of the space. But to give you some of the closest approximation that I can is to say that it feels like you could fit, you know, five, six, maybe seven football games in here simultaneously. Um, I say that as someone who's not a football expert in the slightest, but I was in marching band, uh, so take that as you will. But what's really impressive is truly how many healthcare companies are represented on the showroom floor. And the conference also seems primed to entertain. Many of the stages, including the main stage, uh, which is known as the sun stage, include pop music during the breaks, as well as fog machines and laser shows. And at times there were performers, um, there was a high school show choir on Sunday and roller skaters on Monday. And the conference also featured celebrity speakers, including musician Nick Jonas, who joined on Sunday to talk more about his experience with type 1 diabetes, and comedian Howie Mandel, who joined a panel on Monday to discuss his experience with obsessive compulsive disorder. But it all really leads to the overall buzziness and at times the frenetic energy of the health conference. Sunday marked day one of the health conference, and some of the biggest announcements included venture capitalist firm General Catalyst unveiling its newest company that will provide advisory services to the more than 20 health systems it already partners with and build an interoperability model. It's called Health Assurance Transformation Corporation, or HATCO, and in addition to its goal of transforming healthcare, General Catalyst said it plans on purchasing a health system by next year. Former Intermountain CEO Dr. Mark Harrison will lead the effort. 
Also, a partnership between Uber and Optum was unveiled. According to the announcement, Uber Health users covered by eligible Medicare Advantage plans will be able to use their benefit cards to pay for non-emergency medical rides, as well as food and item delivery through Uber's new partnership with the health insurer. The two companies said they expect to extend this to commercial plans and Medicaid beneficiaries in the future. The financial specifics of the deal were not disclosed. And in an announcement released Sunday, Nashville, Tennessee-based Main Street Health said it had raised $315 million in new capital, including investments from health plans and provider partners. Main Street Health is a value-based care organization that focuses primarily on rural communities. The Health Navigator Company said the investment will enable them to expand into 26 states. On Monday, I was able to attend a number of sessions and announcements at Health. In the morning, the main stage featured a conversation between Neil Lindsay, Senior Vice President of Amazon Health Services, and Andrew Diamond, Chief Medical Officer for One Medical, the membership-based primary care provider chain purchased by Amazon earlier this year. That conversation was moderated by Ariana Huffington and focused on how to take a more customer-centric approach to healthcare. Here's Andrew Diamond. You are ultimately the one who has everything at stake. You have the ultimate decision-making authority. You have the ultimate responsibility for driving the changes that need to happen. And yet, all too often in healthcare, you know, a doctor will walk into a room and there's a patient and their family, and we'll talk about you like you're not even in the room. So we have to very deliberately change that and put you at the center of everything we do, everything we design. It doesn't mean that we're going to be, you know, uh, customer always right kind of a practice, but the customer is always a human and always someone who deserves to be heard in full. So to support that central ring of the village, we're all about making sure that you have a place where you can feel very comfortable, where you know you're going to be respected. It's a judgment-free zone. We're going to listen to you and welcome you regardless of race, gender, ethnicity, and so forth. Uh, we are going to be able to really download the full gamut of stuff that you want to talk about. And here's Neil Lindsay talking more about the downstream benefits of a more consumer-based approach to care delivery. Uh, if everyone engaged with the primary care physician, I believe the U.S. economy would save $68 billion a year, which is an amazing amount of money. So we really need to make it easier for people to access that care management team they need, uh, such as one medical. And then the problem also in pharmacy is I think 30% of prescriptions don't get picked up. And we all know why. It's because you're not feeling well. You don't really want to go to a, a pharmacy and line up and share private information in a public place and wait 20 minutes to even find out the price of the medication you're, you're buying. So these are all opportunities where we can make some things a little bit easier for a lot of people. And I think if you can make one thing a little bit easy for a lot of people, you can probably save them a lot of time, a lot of money, and probably some lives in the process. And sticking with a more consumer-focused care model was Tracy D. Brown, executive vice president and president of Walgreens Retail and chief customer officer. She spoke on the Sun stage in the late afternoon about how Walgreens is working to transform healthcare through what they say is a community-driven care model rooted in expanding services and partnerships that complements existing providers like hospitals and physicians' offices. We have millions and millions 
of people coming through our doors every single day, to the tune of five billion. We have over 100 million people in the My Walgreens program, second largest only to Amazon. We have a lot of knowledge and information. And so the real question in what we're doing is diagnosing and, and really leveraging this data to say, do we see the people? Are we listening? And do we understand them? This is the basis of us starting to create that meaningful, trusted, connected relationship. Second, infrastructure. We have nearly 9,000 locations all around the country within five mile radius of the majority of Americans in this country. Our physical footprint is already in communities. And when you think about distributed trust, there is trust built in communities. And there were some good-natured, though sometimes testy, exchanges between Scan Health Plan CEO Dr. Sachin Jain and independent consultant, former Health Plan CEO and first director of the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation, Dr. Richard Gilfillan. Their conversation centered on the current state of Medicare Advantage. Here's Dr. Jain. So I just want to make sure we're not losing sight of the fact that this is a program that disproportionately enrolls poor beneficiaries. And right now, they don't have the alternative that you're talking about. These pie-in-the-sky policy proposals that you're presenting, I love them. I've always loved your pie-in-the-sky policy proposals. I think we need to do more of them. But I will tell you, in this current environment, we're talking about beneficiaries today who right now have a choice between fee-for-service Medicare and not getting the kind of protection that they can potentially get access to in MA. So my question to you is, what should we do today to, for those beneficiaries? Yeah. Well, and I, I agree with you, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's typical, right? It's typical of America that we say to poor people, sorry, you can't have this, or a vulnerable community. You can't have this, but be happy with this, right? And I think that we should stop that. I think we need to say we need to change Medicare, and I think we need to change MA. And I, I personally would do away with MA. I think it's been too long, but I think that's unrealistic. So what I would say is, let's have a level playing field. Let's create a level playing field, whether it's a standard, uh, traditional Medicare benefit that includes an out-of-pocket cap, some vision dental hearing, and let's compare it and let's have a standard package in MA. Let's stop the overpaying. The dollars we put into, in, we take out of MA, will fund the extra benefits for both parties. So it's a false, I believe a false choice. We're not saying, take the MA away from folks who have no other option. We're saying, give them the right coverage up front, right from the get-go. Let's do that. Thank you, MA. You have managed to put enough money, suck enough money out of the Treasury that today there's enough money in the system as a whole to give everybody some, frankly. During their chat, the two seemed to be diametrically opposed, though at times they admitted they were in agreement on certain issues. And as a note to our listeners, I spoke with Dr. Jane during the conference, which will be available on the podcast in the coming weeks. 
Among the other news on Monday, Best Buy Health will move into the prescription device space. The health division of the electronic retailer announced it will sell the Dexcom G7 continuous glucose monitoring system to eligible customers through BestBuy.com. Best Buy said the Dexcom G7 will cost just under $180 for a 30-day supply and should be available on its website by the end of November. The sale of the monitors will be facilitated by Wheel, a virtual care platform, and Healthdyne, a pharmacy technology provider. The Dexcom G7 helps individuals manage their diabetes and attaches to the upper arm and delivers real-time glucose numbers to a device like a smartphone or smartwatch. In other non-health news that broke this week, the strike among Kaiser healthcare workers ended on Saturday morning after three days of demonstrations. This strike is being called the largest ever so far in U.S. history, as more than 75,000 workers took to the picket line. However, the strike ended without a new employment contract agreement. The unions representing the healthcare workers and Kaiser leaders will resume contract negotiations on Thursday. The coalition of Kaiser permanent Unions has previously indicated that its members are ready to strike again in November if an agreement is not reached. And the Drug Enforcement Administration announced Friday that it will extend pandemic-era flexibilities that allow providers to prescribe certain controlled substances via a telehealth appointment. The extension will run through the end of 2024. During the pandemic, the DEA relaxed its restrictions that required providers to see a patient at least once once in person in order to prescribe the drugs. The pandemic-era decision was meant to prevent lapses in care. The latest extension grants the DEA more time to establish new telehealth prescribing rules following the end of the public health emergency. The agency also said it will give patients and providers more time to smoothly transition away from telehealth-only prescriptions. The DEA said it expects to have new policies in place by fall of 2024. This is Just Healthcare Daily. I'm Jay Carlisle Larson. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or a review. It helps other listeners find the program. You can check out more insights on healthcare business and policy news at justhealthcare.com. You can also get these insights emailed directly to your inbox when you subscribe to our newsletter, The Weekly Gist. The GIST Healthcare podcast is an independent production of GIST Healthcare, a Kaufman Hall company.